Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Gretchen Rubin. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This will be so fun. Yeah, we're really glad you're here. So so one of the things we do when we start off uh, with Dadville is we, we read what's called the brag sheet, which is just uh, uh, everything Gretchen Rubin, everything all the time that's ever Ex- happened. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and so um, I'll read this. Um, buckle up. This is always like a really – it's sort of like a psychological – test to begin the podcast because the <laughs> guest has to listen to all of the uh the great wonderful things um okay so gretchen here's your life uh grew up in kansas city missouri okay shout out kc author podcast host entrepreneur and speaker attended yale law school that makes one of three of us uh that did that <laughs> and was editor-in-chief of the yale law journal good gracious clerked for supreme court justice sandra day o'connor amazing Written 11 books, five of them are New York Times bestsellers. Come on, girl. Um, Her books have sold over 2 million copies and are available in 30 languages. (laughs) This is getting more. It's like flexing them longer ago. Hosts the podcast Happier with Gretchen Rubin, which has over 220 million downloads. Developed the Happier app, which provides personalized strategies to help you become happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Won a Webby Award in 2022. Uh, also, this is this is a double asterisk, which these are always fun. Also, has been interviewed by Oprah and has been an answer on Jeopardy. Look, folks, Gretchen Rubin, that, here. <laughs> I mean, she that is amazing. Is coming in, <laughs> how, how do you how do you feel when you hear that being read to you? Uh, it's kind of funny to hear it all summarized like that. It sounds so n- nice and neatly packaged up, but it, it didn't feel so linear as it was unfolding, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. What a great response. It didn't feel as linear as it was yeah. unfolding. But you have you have some things, you have many, many things that you have achieved that are so impressive that I would imagine it's hard for yourself to let yourself even process it. You know what I mean? You you are I'm gonna start with the mountaintop. You were an answer on Jeopardy. Yeah, let's just let's go. How do you can, can you let yourself be like, yeah, I did that. I was. Well, you know, and the funny thing is, of course, I didn't see it. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't happen to be watching TV of at course, the time. And people so I who hearing... have all the success that you have, they don't have time to watch, watch Jeopardy. Jeopardy. No, well, you know, um, and so, so I started hearing from people like, oh, that's so fun. How cool. And I was like, what's going on? You know, and so then, of course, I tracked it down and stuff. So, yeah, it was re- that, that was so cool. really fun. That that definitely felt like. It was a bucket list, so much of a bucket list, it wasn't even on my bucket list, because who yes, would have thought? Yes, you know? yes, <laughs> I have yes. a couple of friends who have been New York Times answers. That, that's kind of the same thing. That's like, really, like, okay, that's, that's real. really yeah. cool. So yeah, is yeah, that yeah. what you do? You just adjust, you're like, well, I haven't done the New York <laughs> Times thing, though. I, I'm not waiting around for that, no. Uh, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. I've had my fun, I think, with that. That so. is incredible. Yeah. I, in, the, in the first, for all the, you know, 100-plus guests we've had on here, this that's never been... That is a first. Oh, never really? Never oh. answer. Oh, yeah, that's a big yeah, deal. I'm even more excited. You have yeah. your own little island now that you can live on and wave from as people drive uh-huh. by. Oh, that's her. There's Gretchen. Um, okay, so, so one of the things, we want to talk about a lot of things. We're thrilled that you're on... John and I do these preps before the the uh, podcast, and this is one where I literally said, "John, I feel like this could be 
there could be a hundred questions I could ask because one, you've just written about so many things, but uh, there's so many things that we could talk about. One of the things we really wanted to pick your brain though, to kind of start it off is it's 2023. It's a new year now, new year, new me. Um, yeah. and, and you, you know, you have a, a wisdom around sort of resolutions and, and, and these things. And one of the things we really want to do at the beginning of the year, putting this out for the listeners out there, the hundreds of millions of listeners um, we have is what, like, you didn't laugh because that's not true, but it's okay. Um, no, I but, believe it. No, of course. Of course we as just, one we does. just leave it on play while yeah. we go to sleep. Oh, yeah. It helps. Um, yeah. But why do, Why is it so hard for us to keep our New Year's resolutions? Like, what? what is that? Why is that so oh, well, hard for us? Well, that is the million-dollar question. And, I mean, I, I think about that all the time. And I think, you know, really, to a very great degree, it has to do with fit. That, hmm. you know, you may want to stick to a new year's resolution. And so you're like, okay, what I should do is I should take a class or I should just get up and do it first thing, or I should focus on my why, or I need to take more time for myself, or I just need to, um, uh, you know, uh, go all in, you know, and, and the problem is, is that everybody's different. And so something could work really well for your sweetheart or your brother or your coworker or whatever. And so you try it. And then if it doesn't work, you sort of feel like, well, there's something wrong with me. Uh, I always let myself down uh, and, and then maybe you keep trying and it doesn't work instead of thinking like, well, what were, what kind of person am I? Like, am I a morning person or a night person? So many people I talk to are like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up first thing and go for a run every morning. And I'm like, but you're a night person. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, a downer, but <laughs> have you met yourself? Because you're not going to do that because you're at your most energetic and creative yeah. later in the day. Cause you're a night person. And like 30% yeah. of people are night people. So there's, so fine. Wow. So just, hmm. so you're not setting yourself up for success. So I think a lot of times there's a mismatch where people don't take the time to be like, well, what kind of person am I? They rush into like, here's the magic answer. Cause I know it worked really well for somebody else or some expert is telling me this is the w best way or the right way where really there is no magic yeah. one size fits all solution. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because it seems like to me sort of baked into the whole um, resolution thing is friction because you're trying to do something you don't naturally do. So well, you're already yes. at this weird right. stand. You're at this weird, uh, uh, you know, standoff with like, okay, the reason I'm having to make a resolution is because it's not yes. natural to me, or yes. it is at a much slower pace than what I yeah. want it to be. Yeah. Usually you're either asking something of yourself, like you need to like go an extra mile, like exercise or go outside every day or, you know, read more or you're depriving yourself of something like i'm gonna yeah, yeah. quit smoking or i'm gonna cut down on sugar or i'm not gonna eat fast food or i'm gonna stick to a budget yeah yeah and so those things it's like it's either going further than you want to go or <laughs> are depriving yourself and those are both hard you know and it, it's funny i've never thought about this until you were just talking about it how like a you know someone who's not a morning person you know is gonna get up and run a mile in the morning but there's something about the I think everyone feels pressure to be a morning person. Oh, 100%. I don't know why that is, but it's nope. like we got to get up and we got to like knock something out, whatever it is, read 10 pages or, you know, run 10 miles or whatever in the morning. I think I think a lot of us feel that way. No, and research backs you up because there's research that suggests that morning people are happier than night people. And one of the one of the reasons people think that might be is the world is set up for morning people. It sort of rewards morning people. Huh. And yeah. And yet, like, they think, like, 30% of people are night people, 40% are, like, real morning people, and then everybody else is kind of in between. Huh. And it's partly a factor of age and partly a, pa a factor of genetics. 
Wow. And so, um, right. But Genetics if everything, in what way? Well, like, okay. So like little kids, as we all know, if you've had kids and mm-hmm. older people are more mourning and then like teenagers and young adults are, are more right, night. Sleeping. So this is why they're like yeah. in high school, it doesn't make sense for children to have to get to school early. And if you can move back yeah. start times, yeah. children tend to get better scores and better attendance and all that. Wow. Wow. Because there's just these natural rhythms that we can't fight. And so I think a lot of people, I think you're exactly right. People are sort of told the right way, the best way is to get up and do it. And if you're fighting your natural, just like the natural rhythm of your body, you're just not setting yourself up for success. I have a friend who exercises every night at midnight. I have a writer friend who does her best work between 10 and 2, 10 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. And I'm not saying that everybody can set their lives that way because it's hard because the world is set up for morning people, but they both managed to do it. And I'm like, I'm like, if I make it to 10 p.m. watching TV, it's a good night, (laughs) let alone, you know, doing original writing. Um, but people are it's, different. It's so we, we did this. So my family and I went to London for Christmas. We we took the Barnes corporate over there, the five of us, and and it was really interesting because we uh, tried to keep as close to American hours as we could mm. because you know we knew we'd be coming back to school yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, and it was it was it's, I'm a I'm a big morning person. Like morning is you know my body wakes me up every morning. I never have to do alarms. Um, and I'm pretty much like up and going. That's like I'm mm-hmm. I'm ready I'm ready for the day. And it was such a weird thing and a wonderful thing for so like we would go to bed at one or one thirty London time, sleep until ten AM eleven, and then start the day. And it was I loved where getting home at eight or nine, I knew I had like four or five more hours. Mm-hmm. It was this weird thing in my brain of like I'm 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 not tired. I know I should be, but I have all this right. energy, and it made the it made the evenings so much less stressful because uh-huh. we'd be out, you know, somewhere. We went to a soccer game one night that ended at ten, and we still had right. to get you know back down an hour to where we were, and it was so wonderful to not be stressed about it because I was like, oh, the kids are nobody has to get to bed, and it right. I felt like a vampire. <laughs> it was this weird yeah. existence that was very contrary to the way my brain usually works. And yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously, like you said, we can't live like that. But it was really yeah. bizarre to live like that for a couple yeah. of weeks. But, and sort but of that's like, how that's how night people probably feel. Yeah. yeah, they're like, you're you're feeling the pressure. Like we got to get the kids to bed because we got to leave at seven oh five for school. Yada yada yada. That's probably how night people feel. They're like, they don't feel that pressure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Which I'm well, a morning I, person as well. So I. Yeah, and I think that, and then the slow morning is is really really hard for them. Or you know, but you can think about how people can take this into account. Like, let's say you're a manager and you have like a team of six who has to have a morning meeting. You might say, "Hey, how many of you are morning people and how many of you are night people?" Because if four of the six people are not going to really be awake and creative until like 10.30 a.m. Maybe you want to move the time of the meeting. You know, you can't always adjust, but sometimes we can. And I think just understanding that people are different (laughs) relieves some pressure. Here's another way people are different. Abstainers and moderators. Like, let's say you're trying to like um, give up sugar or uh, give up caffeine or whatever. So some people, depend when you're facing strong temptation, some people are abstainers, meaning they find it easier to give something up altogether. Uh-huh. Like they can have none or they can have a lot, but they can't uh-huh. have a little. Then there are moderators yeah. and they do better when they have a little bit or sometimes. And these are the people that are like, I keep a, I keep a bar of fine chocolate in my desk drawer and every day or two, I have one square <laughs> of fine chocolate and that's all you need. And follow yeah, the 80-20 yeah. rule. And I'm like, if I, have a, if I have a bar of chocolate in my desk, I'm eating that whole thing. 
10 a.m. Oh, no. it's gone. Absolutely. Or else I spend the whole day just thinking about it. Think, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm an abstainer when it comes to sweets. I can have none, and you yeah. would not believe how much I abstain from. Um, or I can have a lot, but I, but, but that's, but for some people, it's easier to have a little bit, and they should have the one square of fine chocolate, or the half a dish of ice cream, or the little brownie, or a couple French fries, or, you know, a cup of coffee from time to time, or one cup of coffee every morning. And again, it's like people, people always say to me, "You shouldn't be so rigid. Follow the eighty twenty rule. It's better to be moderate. You should be able to eat sweets a little bit." I'm like. That's not easy for me. That's the harder way for me. Yeah. For me, the way to yeah. do it is to give it up altogether. It's not that one person's right and one person's wrong or one way is better and one way is worse. It's just like, that's the kind of person that I am as to sweets. With wine, I can be a moderator. I can have half a glass of wine. I don't really care about wine. And then I have a friend mm -hmm. who's like, I have no wine or I have five glasses of wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I feel like a common theme through a lot of the stuff that I, I have read that you've written is, is, it really you got to start with self-awareness yeah like you have a journal on yes. your website that it's a, yes. a, a lot which that takes work i mean it takes time yes. to sit and be honest with yourself and yes. i mean i don't know where journaling ranks on the go-to new year's resolution list but i have had i mean of my 40 years i've i have to have had 20 where i've been like all right this is the year and I, and I go out and I buy a new journal yeah. and it's the nicest journal you've ever seen. I get a new pen, you know, and then by January 21st, it's, it's, it's done, you know, but I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but that, is that like the starting point that people need to go from? Um, it's self-awareness. It's self-awareness. I know I, some people really like to keep a journal as a way to do that. I don't think you have to keep a journal. There's also like a one sentence journal where you just write one sentence a day. That's for people who kind of have that itch mm -hmm. to keep a journal but maybe you don't have the time and energy to keep it going, which is it sounds like maybe you have that itch, but like it's hard to keep it up. So one sentence a day can be enough to give you that reflection and, and keep the pattern. But I think sometimes if you don't feel the urge to keep a journal, I think you can just th reflect on questions like, well, when have I succeeded in the past? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times that holds clues or like I have this quiz called um, that's about this personality profile that I that I discovered when I was writing Better Than Before, which is my book about habit formation, which if on this quiz, it tells you if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. And like knowing that category, just that aspect of your nature, which is just one narrow aspect of your nature, mm -hmm. that can shed a lot of light on, well, what kind of tools tend to work for you? Because um, there are certain tools that if you know your tendency, you, you know that you are more or less likely to succeed with particular, you know, there's so many tools that we can use. Um, instead of just throwing spaghetti against the wall, taking that quiz, which anybody yeah. who wants to take, it's a free quiz. It's at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. Um, I just took this quiz yesterday. Oh, well, what tendency are you? What I'm is your an upholder. Well, that's what I am too. You know, we're a are small you? group. Yes. Are we? Okay. Yes. I got to be, I got to be honest. I was, A, I was a little surprised that that's what I was. B, mm. so I think it's 12 questions, right? Yeah. And these questions, are they're very interesting i and i i'm curious what your thoughts are, are on this i felt like half the questions i was like i need my wife amy to be here because i feel like her answer would be more accurate maybe than my answer Ooh, on this. You know what, ooh, I mean? what a great idea have her take it for you i know <laughs> i kind of want her to do it for me and see if it's the same that's one of those things that at the bottom of the quiz there quiz there's an asterisk that says if you had your wife take it then you're an upholder you know what i mean right 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 right, right. <laughs> Um, 
Well, uh, I mean, do you, can I ask you a few questions and I'll see if I think you're an upholder? Please Just, do. Okay. Okay. Do people, do people ever say you're too rigid, like that you should be more flexible? Do you ever hear that? I don't think so. Okay. But they may be saying it behind my back every day, all day long. Everybody But does. I don't think Everybody they Everybody does. <laughs> I don't. Um, See, and this you, is where, like, Dave, I'm like, Dave, you would have, you would have a take on this. I would yeah, say Dave, no to you that. take it. I would say no well, to that. You would okay. say no. And would you say that if you make up your mind to do something that's important to you, it's pretty easy to follow through with it? Yes. Do you feel like you can rely on yourself as much as you can rely on other people or maybe more? See, that this is one of those questions that I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking I love this question. It feels like a great dinner party question because mm. I don't I don't know what the answer is. I I'm, my knee jerk is yes. I think I can rely on myself more than I can rely on other people, but I don't know. That's that's just a that's a complicated question, I think. Yes. Okay, should I explain the four tendencies so then people know what we're talking yes. about? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So what this looks at is a very narrow, but, and it sounds kind of boring, but it's a very, it ends up being very juicy aspect of your nature. So it's uh, how you respond to expectations. So we all face two kinds of expectations, outer expectations, like a work deadline and inner expectations, like your own desire to keep a new year's resolution. So depending on whether you meet or resist an outer or an inner expectation, that's what makes you an upholder like the two of us questioner, obliger, or rebel. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline, they keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They wanna know what other people expect from them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. So their motto is discipline is my freedom. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they resist anything arbitrary, ineffective, unjustified. They tend to love research. They have to know why. So they're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they'll do something no problem. If it fails their inner standard, they'll push back. So their motto is, I'll comply if you convince me why. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So these are people who say, I don't understand why I can keep my promises to other people, but I can't keep my promises to myself. Like very often they will say, I need to learn to put myself first, or I need to make time for myself. Um, what they need is outer accountability, even to meet an inner expectation. So if they need to work out, mm. if they want to work mm. out, they need to work out with a trainer or with a friend who's mad if they don't show up or take their dog for a run or raise money for a charity or whatever it is, they need outer accountability. So their motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. And then the last is rebel. And rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they choose to do, anything they want to do. They're very tied to their identity and putting forth their identity and taking a challenge. Um, but if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't tell themselves what to do. Like, they don't sign up for a 10 a.m spin class on wow. Saturday because they think, I don't know what I'm going to want to do on Saturday. And just mm. the idea that someone's telling me to show up annoys me. So their motto <laughs> is, you can't make me and neither can I. Um, so that the biggest not... tendency for both men and women is obliger. Upholder is the second smallest tendency. Yeah. So, okay. so, with, with, so there's a, a lot of people listening that are parents. How do you, yeah. how do you take these 
you know, with kids and you're trying to help them create habits or, mm-hmm. you know, be more consistent in their decision making around either commitments they make or, you know, th- those kind of things. How do you how do you sort of walk with them through those? Well, it's interesting because I hear from parents all the time about the four tendencies. And in the book, The Four Tendencies, there's there are huge sections about parenting because a lot of uh, conflict um, when you look at it, it has to do with conflict that at the root have tendencies. So for instance, questioner children often get in trouble. They, they seem disrespectful um, mm. or insubordinate because they're just like, why? And they'll say things like, well, why am I going to learn the multiplication tables? It's a dumb waste of my time. I can just do it on my phone and it's faster and more accurate. And it's like, you have to take the time to explain to that child why, because otherwise they're just not going to do it. Um, yeah. Or like a rebel child, it's like you got to figure, you got to talk to that rebel child in a way that they want to do it for them. Like they get it and they they choose to do it because you cannot make. I don't know if you've noticed this as a parent, but you cannot make anybody do anything. Like you just can't keep that going. Amen. Yeah. And yeah. I've heard from Amen. so many parents of rebel children being like, "Well, what do I do? Because I I have to make them. I, they have to do it." And I'm like, "They don't have to do anything, and they know that." So you've got to work right. with their right. tendency. <laughs> right. And with obliger children too, right. it's like a lot of times as parents, we automatically create accountability, which is very good for obliger children, but then they struggle when they don't have that scaffolding. And if we don't mm-hmm. understand that's what they need, we might not understand like how to help them set up systems that will allow them to succeed. Hmm. God, that's good. Jeez. So interesting. Okay, yeah, it's, I- it's very poignant to talk to the parents of rebels sometimes. Rebels mm-hmm. often say that it's good to have a rebel parent because then they get it. Because uh, that's the most different mm. tendency. Yeah, it's the most yeah, different from right. the other three. People make a lot of mistakes when they're yeah. dealing with rebels. Well, and to right. your point, because you read it wrong, or it feels yeah. like it feels like something that is bad. So you you want to squash that or discipline it out of them, right? Because it's all just like if you just came at it in a different way, yeah. you can you can really get to the outcome that you want. But you have to really, keep, but it really helps to keep it in mind as you sort of frame the engage the interaction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, so I, I want to m- move ahead and talk about outer order intercom, but before oh. we do, I want to ask you one one more question because uh, I I can imagine that we have people listening who you know after we read through all your successes and achievements and all that, and then we're talking about you know you're going to tell us how to be better at keeping good habits and forming good habits and all that. I would imagine there are some people out there thinking, well, this person is just naturally a high achieving Mm -hmm. person. You know, she's probably a morning person. She probably Mm -hmm. ran 20 miles before this interview, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what what would you say to those listeners out there who are who are about to, you know, press stop because they're like, "Ah, I can't relate to this. Okay, well, see, this is the thing. So I wrote this book, The Happiness Project. It was all about these things that I did to be happier. And once the book came out, all these people came up to me and they said, well, how did you get yourself to do all those things? And I said, well, I just decided the things that I thought would make me happier. And then I did them and then they did make me happier. So then I continued to do them. And they would look at me baffled and they would say, but how did you get yourself to do them? And I would be equally (laughs) baffled. And I would say, I don't understand what you're talking about. That's what led me to write my book better than before. And and to understand that as an upholder, actually, it's true. I'm the kind of person for whom habit formation comes easily. I'm that kind of person. And so, Mm, and there's downsides to being that kind of person. And we can talk about the downsides, but in certain things there, that's, it does come more easily to me. And so, and I think for a lot of people, that's very reassuring, which is like, 
upholders tend to be really good at that. And but obligers can be just as good as long as they have outer accountability. And questioners can be just as good as long as they give themselves the reasons. And rebels can be just as good as long as they line it up with their identity and what they choose to do. So it's like, but they kind of have to go through an extra step, whereas upholders are almost too good at it. Like we have to like hold ourselves mm -hmm. back from tightening, which is when the rules get tighter and tighter because we're so good at executing on on kind of rules. Um, and so uh, and so it really I think that because I am so much that kind of person, it helped me to see it in other people. I think obligers because obliger yeah. is a really big group. I think they think, oh, everybody's like this. But I was like, you know what? Not everybody's like me. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're not like me because they're they're facing challenges I don't face. And and I also realized that for a long time I was kind of judgmental because I was like, well, just get it together. I don't have to be your babysitter. Just deal with it and do it. And finally, I was like, OK, that's just not practical or helpful or compassionate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. people need to be, have things set up in a different way, but we can all get where we want to go. We just have to have things set up in a different way, which is not yeah, that yeah. hard once you realize that that's what's needed. Hmm. Right. And and again, it just starts with self-reflection and what are you? Are you this yeah. type of what's going to work for you? Right. But like, I'm very rigid. I'm inflexible. I'm very, yeah. I can be kind of a happiness bully. That's what my sister calls me. So I have all kinds of faults <laughs> related yeah. to that. They're just, you know, they're just of a different phrase. kind. Well, you know, too, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and too, it's, it's something that, and I need to hear this because I think I'm, I'm with y'all. I'm the first child in me is hearing everything. Yeah. I think the three of us are similar. Go do it. Just get up and right. do it, you know? Right. But I think it's just it a reminder. Can. You have to have a lot of space for different. I know that this is such an elementary thing to say, but it's true. I have to hold a lot of space for people who just don't work like I do. And I think the problem is the world, you know, so many books in the world is set up for people that are probably more like us. So that is the general consensus. And so it's easy to sort of get around your buddies and go like, oh, look at this. Come on. Oh, he's going to have a trouble. You know, when you realize no, that people that's just when you really get are together. Yes. If you get upholders together, like we're three upholders together, that's what they start talking about is why can't people just like get it together? Yeah. Like, let's yeah. just, let's just, let's just Come do on. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, the, but the thing is, but I think what's helpful about the four tendencies framework is, is it sort of tells you how people are different, not just that people are different, but like, this is how. and therefore knowing what what the patterns are, what would you do to a person who says to you, I don't understand why I, can, I never miss a deadline at work, but I'm not able to do this at, for, at home. I, I yeah. won't, I'm so yeah. deeply yeah. committed to yeah. writing a novel yeah. in my free time. Yeah. It's the most important thing to me. Why can't I do it? I could be like, oh, you're an obliger. Here's five different ways you can give yourself outer accountability yeah. and you can execute on that instead of just saying like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, Other people yeah, yeah. are better. I'm a failure. Kids are so it, interesting it, because it's a front row view to, for me, it has been like, I have three kids and they are very different and they yes. were born that way. Yes. And I'm like, oh yes, yeah. so this pe people really do just come out of the womb like, yeah, I don't care. Yes. And I'm like, why would you not care? <laughs> like, I just don't care. And I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. right. But, but each of the tendencies has so much power. Like I've realized, like I'm married to a questioner and it's so valuable to me because he's like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, that's a great question. Why would I do that? You're like, or yeah, the rebels are free because they're just, they're just rebels are just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, yeah. there's so much freedom and power in that. Um, but then when you want to help somebody achieve an aim for themselves, it's like, uh, I think, and you're right. Upholders often are the people writing these books because we're like, we love this kind of thing and we're good at it. And we think if people would just do what we do, they would be fine. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't work. You know, it just oh, took me a long time to be like, eh, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, it yeah. doesn't work like that. And, and, but everybody can get there. Um, yeah. 
and they don't have way. to change their nature. Sometimes people yeah. are like, well, I don't want to be a this, I want to be a that. I'm like, well, can you change your own nature? Probably not. And if so, it'd be very difficult. Just change your surroundings. Just give yourself outer right. accountability or tie it to an identity and and, yeah. and 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 you'll get where you want to go. That's so much easier. Well, yeah. when I took that test, there was a part of me that wants to be, when I was kind of reading the description of the rebel, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that like, I kind of want to be that, but mm-hmm. I am not that, you know, right. I just right. am not. And I think, I, I think it's great that, like you said, you don't have to change how you are right. to, to be able to change and implement some of the things that you want to change and implement. But right. another thing that I have a love-hate relationship with myself about is order and tidiness mm-hmm. and cleanliness and all that kind of stuff. And when I was, I have the audio book of Outer Order Intercom and I was listening to it yesterday and there, I mean... I just wrote down here on my notes, visual noise, yes, mm. like 10 exclamation points. <laughs> so, but, I, so I'm curious, you know, you, in this book, you, you're talking about how, you know, your environment can really shape your mood, et cetera, et cetera, which I totally agree with. And it sounds like we're probably in, in the same, uh, you know, category when it comes to that. But, you know, a lot of my close friends, and my wife is not in that same category. You know, often we will be like, we'll have the family down for the holidays and everyone's sitting in the living room, having a great time talking and getting to know each other. Well, getting to know each other. We're family, you know, yeah. like hey, you're talking know about real, th- real things. And I'm the idiot in the kitchen. Mm cleaning up and as i'm doing it i'm like this is so stupid a i should be in there with the family they don't they live two states away they're not here for very long b this is this is futile they're like 10 kids in this house why am i even cleaning the kitchen again but i just can't help myself mm-hmm. help me gretchen help me <laughs> well it, i have to say it's it's such a source of conflict among people who live together or also people who work together especially now that there's like open plan because people just have very different settings for where they feel comfortable. For some people, right. some people are clutter blind. Like my sister, Elizabeth, who's the co-host of the Happier podcast with me, mm-hmm. she's truly clutter blind. Like she doesn't see it. She would not clutter close blind. a kitchen That's cabinet amazing. door if she didn't live with someone else. She's got right. heaps of mail on every counter. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I just like, I go in there and I'm, I'm like, I, I can't rest until we start tackling this, but right. she doesn't care. So there's clutter blind people, but then there are people who are just like, they just have a different level. Some people it's like, everything has to be at like right angles. And then some people like there's all different gradations. Right. And again, I think what's helpful is not to say, well, I'm right and you're wrong because a lot of times people sort of want to make it into an issue. Like I'm going to show you this research that shows that people are more creative in a messy lab. Therefore I'm right. Or saying things like, look, if you want it to be tidy, knock yourself out but I'm not going to participate in that because I don't care. And it's like, but then you're free riding off of my efforts. You get to live in this like tidy, clean, well-run household, but I'm doing all the work because you, because you just have a higher tolerance. So what you have to I think it's much more helpful to say, like we might have different preferences. How do we create an environment where we both feel comfortable? And so like, if you're the messier one, are there a a few certain practices that you could follow that would like really bring down the tension for the other person? And if you're the neater one, can you confine the mess in certain areas so that you feel more comfortable so you're not like up on your feet every 10 seconds um, 
tidying. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then there's certain things too that you can do that just make it easier, which is like for my, in my family, it was hooks instead of hangers. No one could be bothered to do the incredibly difficult work of hanging up a coat on a hanger. <laughs> But it's we like got 11 hooks. steps. Yeah, yeah I mean, people, that. yeah. And, it, you know, but pe- we got hooks and people will do hooks. You know, sometimes you can find these little solutions. Um, but but uh, you're right. I think people just are very different. Um, yeah. And, and I do, and, I, I need to go on the record and state my wife is not messy. Mm-hmm. She has a, she has a, uh, and I'm saying this for you, Amy, as you're listening to this <laughs> in a couple of weeks. She, I, I often am the one thinking like, I, I need to get down to a, a normal level. I feel like she lives in the normal world and I'm too far over here and I just can't relax, you know, until the end. Like so, but what when kinds I was, of things bother you? Gretchen, you it is like a, it's a, plastic, a plastic bag, an empty plastic bag or full, whatever, on the counter. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right there. It's like, ah, that's, that's ruining the whole thing. Unless the whole house around it is spotless then maybe i could i could tolerate a, a plastic bag <laughs> a slightly open drawer a slightly open door uh, you know that kind of thing uh, just those things the normal things i love that so much but it's tough for me to just block that out right i think i'm getting better at it but it's tough for me to block that out yeah no i mean it is it is and then there's also abundance lovers and simplicity lovers i don't know where you fall on this it sounds like maybe we're kind of the same but like simplicity lovers like bare counters not much on going on maybe like one little vase with one little rosebud whereas abundance lovers like profusion and choice and buzz and piles and collections and there's like a lot going on my daughter is an abundance lover and i walk into her room and i'm like how can you handle this it's so much yeah but none of it's clutter like it's all exactly the way she wants it to be it's exactly where she wants it to be there's no there's nothing that that's not purposeful so it's not clutter because clutter is like stuff that's in the wrong place or that you, you don't even know what it is or it's broken or it doesn't work or it's just, you know, this is in the in the way. So her stuff is not like that, but right. it's a visual environment that is not appealing to me at all, but it's her room. So I'm like, okay, if you want to cover literally every, every surface, <laughs> you know, every, yeah. there's stuff hanging. I mean, she's got more stuff in there than I could have ever dreamed of doing. And it, may, it kind of drives me bonkers, but she loves it. So that's the point is, that's why I think Tony the Tiger would have been a black belt, at least in Kung Fu. I cannot disagree more. Oh, well. Well, okay, so let, let me ask you this, John. Do yep. you believe, and can you believe, it's both of those, do and can, uh-huh. that it's already 2023? We're literally living in the future, John. Oh, that we are. <laughs> now, that I can agree with. Okay, that's fair. And would 15-year-old Dave Barnes mm-hmm. believe that his future self would have a signature oh. coffee blend with methodical coffee of all coffee I know, companies? I know, I know. I'd have to say, that was not on Young DB's vision board. <laughs> I mean, and I can tell you how much better my day is when I started off with some Dadville blend. I oh mean, my it's, gosh. I didn't even, little Dave wouldn't have known that either. No. That he would want to start every day with just a little methodical. If only he knew what you uh, now know that he did, doesn't, no, didn't, didn't know. Didn't know then. Look, let me tell you, yeah. methodical isn't just the name of their business. It's their approach to Everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. Methodical's been roasting and hosting oh, roast and for roast. over eight years and offer a wide selection of coffees and teas that are complex yet easy going. Just don't, like don't you, Dave Barnes. I knew you were going to say that. It's true. It's true. I won that superlative in high school. If you had to describe yourself as a coffee, John, what would you be? Go. 
Uh, tall, skinny, soy milk latte. Okay. You? Gosh, I, well, I'm not quite the elite coffee influencer that you are, but sure. my ideal mix sure. would include hints of chocolate, graham, yeah. and brown sugar. Oh, brown sugar. That's what I was going to say. Look, this is incredible because that's the exact no. flavor profile that Dadville yeah. blend is, Dave. Isn't that weird? That's right. So Just weird. head over to methodicalcoffee.com and find brew guides that'll teach you how to turn your coffee brewing chore into a beloved ritual. I see what you did there. We all love a good coffee ritual. Craft a cup you'll love with Methodical Coffee. Get 10% off your first order when you head to methodicalcoffee.com and use the code DADVILLE. That's methodicalcoffee.com and use the code DADVILLE. It's 100% guaranteed to make you a better parent. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Dave. Wow. Okay, yours was yours was better than mine. Johnny, thanks. Are yep. you loving this warmer weather? Summer mm. is just around the corner. Dave, I am so glad that you brought that up because the weather has been so great. Mm. I'm playing tennis, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting outside on the porch Gosh. in my tennis shoes, <laughs> going for walks yep. in my in different shoes. I don't, yeah, I don't I was walk say, in that's just shoes. too far. Yeah, I mean, it's so nice. And honestly, I don't really want to be spending too much time in the kitchen making meals because there's so many other John, things John, to John, John, outside. John, John, John. That's yeah. where Factor comes in. You can fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, so you can spend more time outside. Okay, it sounds good, but Dave, let me ask you a question. Okay. Can I meet my wellness goals in time for summer with Factor? <laughs> I hope you've got goals and then more goals, John, because we call you Cristiano Ronaldo. Soccer joke. Hey, yo. And guess what? And then some, John. It's going to be just fine. Factor has chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Dave, that sounds so awesome. You've talked me into it. I'm ready. Wow, that was easy. I'm ready to kickstart my routine with 35 different Good meals gracious. and more than 60 add-ons to choose from, Goodness Dave. Did you know that? Again. I'm educating you now. <laughs> and these are restaurant-quality meals like filet mignon, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. Shrimp. Mm-hmm. Blackened salmon. Enjoy you know? effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash dadville50 and use the code dadville50 to get 50% off. That's five zero. 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DADVILLE50 at factormeals.com slash DADVILLE50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Dave. John, we all love summer, and our oh, kids yeah. especially love summer, but yep. we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school, and that yep. can create some summer child care problems. You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, <gasps> there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. 
All you have to do is go to windy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to windy.com slash dadville to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to wyndy.com slash dadville. So when you when you said in your book, have nothing in your house that you do not believe is useful or beautiful, ask yourself, do I need it? Do I love it? Do I use it? She would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all the thing. I did that, and this is all that's left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, oh, I love it all. Yeah. Every little plastic mushroom, love it. Exactly plastic where it's supposed mushroom. to be. Yeah. So do you have <laughs> a discipline? Is there, a, you know, I was, I was wondering the exact same thing John just asked. Do you have a discipline around that for yourself or do you advise? I mean, you know, the, uh, what's the woman's name that got so popular last Marie year? Marie Kondo. Yes. With, yeah, with yeah, yeah. her whole practice of, you know, decluttering and having some kind of system in your house to these things. But do you find that you advise and or have something in your life or, or sort of push others to have where you're doing a seasonal or, you know, quarterly or yearly sort of like, okay, let's get in there and, you know, get rid of some things we're not doing. We, we were just in, uh, New York last week, we ended our London trip in New York for a friend's wedding and we stayed in a friend's, uh, place on the upper West side. And it's just, I was like, you know, something I envy about, I know you're in New York, right? Yeah. Something I envy about the space in New York is it is so limited. So it's like, mm-hmm. you can't, I really mm-hmm. found myself looking around my friend's apartment and he's got two girls and, uh, and I was like, there's something, it feels really cramped to me because, you know, we live here in Nashville, Tennessee and, you know, yeah. we have more space, but it's like, there's something wonderful about, it. you can't just go buy stuff. It's like, where are you going to mm-hmm. put it? Yeah. You know? Right. So that it's <laughs> right. almost, it's, it's just a part of your life as a New Yorker because, you know, yeah. you just don't, you just don't have the space. But I think, you know, for the people who don't live in that, where it'd be a little easier to be like, yeah. we can't buy this. Like there's literally not room for this yeah. lamp or this you right. know, TV, this size or whatever. You know, do you do you find yourself kind of advising some system that's like, okay, every twice a year, go through your stuff or or even how would you do that? I mean, I think it's great. I think that for some people, that's not very practical. Um, So I'm a big fan of kind of like the constant low level sweep sweeps through. So like one thing that's really good is like just like one shelf or one drawer, just pull out one drawer in your kitchen and look through it and be like, do I toss it? Cause it's like the lid to, you know, a, a to-go cup that we don't even have anymore. Um, do, am I going to donate it because we have three screwdrivers and we only need one screw, you know, three, yeah, yeah, yeah. three wine openers and we only need yeah, one, yeah. one arc screws, the word I'm searching yeah, yeah. for. Um, so I'm going to give away one because I mean, two is plenty, maybe yeah. more than we need. Um, or is it in the wrong place? And you just do a little bit at a time. Or if you, if you're bothered by mess, uh, the one minute rule is a great thing to get tackle mess. Um, which is anything you can do in less than a minute, you do without delay. So mm-hmm. you take, you put a dirty coffee mug in the dishwasher, or you open up a piece of mail, realize it's junk mail, and toss it. You hang up your coat on a on a hook instead of throwing it over a chair, um, and that gets rid of kind of a scum of clutter. But for like getting rid of things, I like I think it's often 
like Marie Kondo says, like, take everything out of your closet, put it in a giant pile and go through it. That works for some people, but for some yeah. people, that's just unrealistic. They don't have yeah. the time and they would just like, they yeah. would just be totally yeah. overwhelmed by that. But you can just be like, yeah. let me look at my shirts. You know what? I've got seven mm-hmm. button down white shirts, three of which I, I hate because they're too tight and scratchy. Okay. Why don't I give those away? Because I'm never going to wear my seventh least favorite white shirt. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes you can do it like shelf by shelf, drawer by drawer. And, and, but it really does help also to have a place where, you know, you're going to give things away. I think for yeah, a lot of people yes. knowing where something is going to go, you're like, yeah. I'm not wearing the shirt, but for somebody else, it could be like a great bargain and, or like this pot, I'm not using it, but for someone else, it could really serve a great purpose. It's just as wasteful to leave it unused on my shelf as it would be to just throw it away. Yeah. So why don't I let it go back into circulation and, and having being like, okay, and I'm going to put it in this box. And on Saturday, I'm going to take this box to this place where I will donate it for a lot of people that makes it easier. Um, or like, if you know, like a young family that really would love your toys and your, you know, in your handouts or a library that sells books to raise money. Yeah. Um, that can make a, that can make one of the great hacks that I ever heard with closets was to, at the beginning of the year, should be now. You you face them all the same direction. Do you yeah, know the, this hack? the hangers. Yeah, yes, you put the, the hangers, hangers in the same direction. Yeah. And then, you know, six months, whatever, a year, three months, whatever you determine the time, what you haven't turned around and used, you give away or sell or whatever. And uh, there's little things like that that I'm like, man, yeah. that would... Or, or I have friends who are like, I don't buy a pair of shoes until I'm done with... You know, something has to go if something comes in. You know, just little yes. ways to sort of you know, simplify into your point, sort of declutter. And I love your idea that never lab- label anything miscellaneous because no, yes. oh, oh that God, just turns yeah. into, well, you know. you know, and then there are overbuyers and underbuyers, like underbuyers tend not to buy things even when they need them, but then overbuyers tend to overbuy. And one thing yeah. that can help you if you're an overbuyer is to say, I'm going to store it at the store. So you're like, oh, I, I, if I were going on a foreign trip, this, this little, this money bag would be perfect. You can say, Yes, it would be, but I'm just going to store it at the store. They'll oh, take wow. good care of it for me. And That's then if genius. I need it, I can go get it. Or this would make a great gift for somebody. It's like, but I don't need to buy a gift for somebody right now. I'll just yeah. store it at the store. And then oh, when I need a gift, great. I can go get it. Because sometimes overbuyers are like, oh, I got I to gotta get my hands on that right now. And then they yeah. have to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. That is God, genius. That is really good. I That's love great. that. <laughs> yeah, my my thing. I'm gonna try to use it on my kids, guys. We're just gonna store this here at the store. <laughs> we can go visit it. Yeah, let's yeah. go look you at want. it. I used yeah, to my... tell my daughter that's just for display. She'd be like, "Oh, can I get that?" I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, you know, that's not for sale. That's just that's just display only." And she'd be like, and "Oh, what are you day... gonna do?" She was then she learned to she read. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah, she learned to read, and then the game She's was like, up. Why do they have worked? nine of them then, Mom? Just yeah. hanging there. They yeah, have nine yeah, displays yeah. of like, that shirt. You know, it's like people need to take a look. Yeah, she completely said, "Oh, it's for safety." From <laughs> both of my children, if I'd be like, "Oh, that's for safety. We have to do this for safety." Oh they were my like, god! Okay, that is genius. Yeah. Is so genius. you you have two kids? Is that right? I have two daughters. Yeah. Two daughters. Okay, same here. And how yeah. how old are your daughters? 23 and 17, so I have big Oh, kids. wow. You're almost, oh, yeah, you're okay. almost free. Okay, yeah. so th- I, I, this is, so I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, both daughters. What would you say to me? What's your advice to me? If you could go back and talk to, you know, Gretchen when your daughters were around that age, is there some advice that you would give to me at this time? 
Yes. And this is advice that I got from my favorite parenting book of all time, which is called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. I love this book. It's wow. just as good for adults as it is for children. It's an amazing mm -hmm. book. It's so fun to read. And it sounds so simple, but it totally revolutionized my parenting. And it's acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. So with children, it's very tempting to tell them they don't feel what they say they're feeling like, well, you're not yeah. hungry. We just ate or uh, you can't still be hungry, you know, uh, or, oh, you're going to have fun at that party. You always love a party or you're not afraid of clowns or it'll be fun at grandma's house. Or how can you like, of I course, love you're that cold. you threw the clowns in there, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Keep going, oh, my gosh. My, my daughter was terrified of clowns. And I'm like, you're not afraid of clowns. It's like, yes, she was afraid. Of oh, clowns. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing is, is you just acknowledge the reality like oh, we just ate, but you still feel hungry. Or, wow, I feel like it's so cold outside, but you feel like you don't need a coat. Or, you know, that's really annoying. Um, it just allows people to stop insisting on how they feel. Um, and then, and kind of a corollary to that is acknowledge their desires in, uh, like, as a wish, like, which is part of acknowledging what somebody else wants. So if somebody's like, well, I don't want this for breakfast. I want Cheerios. And you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had a magic wand and I would make those Cheerios appear for you instantly. Or, mm. you know, it's so cold outside. We can't go out. I know like, oh my gosh, I wish that I, if I, you know, if, if this were Harry Potter, I would change the weather. Cause again, yeah. it's like, I hear, I understand how you feel and I wish yeah. that I could help you, but I can't. Cause a lot of times with children, what I realized at least with my own children is they were just so frustrated um, and then once it was like, I hear what you're saying, like it, it mm -hmm. just really took a lot of conflict away. Um, and, and it's sort of surprising to a surprising degree how effective it, and it's just as effective with adults. Like, wow, it was yeah, really yeah. annoying to have to wait for the cable guy who was three hours late that, you know, that's super annoying mm. yeah. instead of just being like, well, that's no big deal. You were just working at home anyway. What do you care? It's like, oh, yeah. don't yeah. acknowledge the reality of somebody's yeah. feelings. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, that's so good. I'm curious, you know, we have a lot of parents that listen to the podcast and of the books and, and knowledge that you've gained and, and sort of amassed and put together, like, where do you feel like that intersects, which you just said, but like that, that as you've discovered and written and sort of um, gathered all these books and, and things. So this may be something you're like, it would take hours to answer, but is there like a consolidated take on where you feel like that knowledge intersects with parenting or things that you've found over the years, like a few bullet points. You're like, man, these things have just been really helpful for me as I've learned with, with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. And then this is like a huge theme on the happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Cause my sister and I talk about things like this all the time. If I were like, what are the key takeaways? First of all, I'd be like, um, always like manage the body because your body is, you know, your physical experience always colors your emotional experience. So we think about this with our children, but it's just as important for adults as parents, which is make sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you don't mm -hmm. let yourself you know, treat yourself like a toddler. Um, make sure you're, you're not too hungry or too cold. Um, make sure that you're, you have time to play. You have downtime. Maybe you need more silence. Maybe you need more time with friends. Like think about like, what you need and even to your physical body. Um, because I think sometimes people let themselves just get exhausted and then everything is hard at parenting, you know, most of yeah. all. Maybe. Um, and then you're not the kind of parent you want to be. Then you're disappointed with yourself and that makes you angry. Then you're more stressed out. Then you do even worse. You know, it's that terrible cycle. Well, you know, I was going to say quickly, one thing I thought about this literally this morning as I was reading through this, it's funny you bring it up. Like there is something and, I, and you have to be careful with this methodology, but 
there is something I've adopted with, you know, when you fly on the plane, they're always like, make sure you parents put your mask on before the kids. And and you got to be really careful with this again, but there is something that's really beautiful about that. in a lot of parenting I've found where if I'll kind of make sure it's in, in obviously you want to be a servant and make sure your kids are okay. But there's a lot of times where I'm like, if I make sure that I'm sort of squared away, they tend to do well. Like the kids are a lot more malleable than I think we give them credit for. And so what I find myself doing, and I think a lot of parents struggle is we'll over serve or we'll bend ourselves way out of whack to get them happy when they're much more bendable than we are. And so right. I've laughed at myself cause I've, I've sort of adopted that into other parts of my life where I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm okay in this moment before I do them. Because if I can get squared away, I bet they're going to be good too, as opposed to putting all of us out trying to make them happy, which is always a little bit of a moving target. A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. And in the happiness project, I have my like eight splendid truths of happiness, which are like the big principles. And one of them is one of the best ways to make yourself happy is to make other people happy. But one of the Mm -hmm. best ways to make other people happy is to be happy yourself. And so they work together. It's, it's not really like one or the other, yeah. but it's it's like yeah. it's like if you and a lot of time and you can't make someone else be happy, but happier people tend to make other people happier. It's very infectious. Mm, and right. I do think it's yeah. the kind of thing like if you're exhausted or if you're very resentful or you have no time for yourself. And also, you know, example is more persuasive than 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 badgering. Like if you're like, yeah. it's important to get enough sleep. Therefore I go to bed at 1030. That's more compelling than it's important for you to get enough sleep. Therefore I yeah. stay up till 2am binge watching Mad right, Men. Right, right, you know, right, right. It's like part of, right. if you think your children should read, are you reading? Yeah. If yeah. you think your children should exercise, are you exercising regularly? Like if you think it's important that your children do your homework, are you working yeah. on your novel in your free time yes. that you keep talking about? Like, yeah, yeah that's I, great. I think that you're right, that those things really, really go together. Um, And another thing I think is just to realize like people are different. I mean, a lot of times when I hear people talk about their children, I'm like, I don't think that there's an issue. I mean, I think your child is a different way from you and you just are like, well, why isn't my, you know, my child should be like out there and like, all they want to do is like stay home and read. And it's like, yeah, but you're a really high energy outdoorsy family. And maybe your child's a little different or, Hmm. or sometimes people are like really, like really upbeat, cheerful people and they're like, oh, my child's just sort of always kind of quiet and glum. I'm like, well, maybe that you're, you know, a lot of like our happiness level, there's a big genetic component. And some people are Tiggers and some people are Eeyores. And, you know, sometimes people are just have a different setting. And, yeah. or like, or you see this with, with gregariousness. Like some parents, like they're super gregarious and then their children are more introverted hmm. or, The children are really gregarious and the introverted parents are like, oh my gosh, our child is talking to every stranger at the swimming pool. And it's like, oh, I like, I really don't want to get into that, but like they, they, they're Mm -hmm. just chatting up the whole world. Yeah. 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 And it's not that one person's right or one person's wrong or that you need to, you know, it's just like, well, let's respect the, because you said it like a little while ago, they come out different. Yeah. You know, you get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Some of it you can, you can train up or, or shape. And some of it is just, yeah. it, it's who they are. And it's more like, how do we get you where you want to go um, yeah. for yourself it's, and respect those differences? It's really fascinating how much John and I, like we have experts like yourself on who, who have studied these things, especially in the child psychology space. One of the most consistent things we hear is how important it is to know your kids. And that sounds unbelievably uh, pedestrian, but 
really knowing them, knowing like, okay, to your point, how do we set them up to succeed or how do we get to know them? And, and especially in it's, if there's anything I'm learning as an adult, and I just referenced this a minute ago, but like holding space for people that are just different, mm-hmm. that are just different. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard too when you kind of have like the Barnes family, we do this and you have to be careful yeah. about those things. In fact, one of the meeting with uh, a therapist years ago, one of the first questions he asks all of his clients, a bunch of us have seen him is like, what's the, what was like the, um, like the Barnes family motto, you know? And like, if you think about your childhood, what is the phrase you heard the most? And it's a really terrifying thing to think about no, as a parent, because right. you're, you know, you, right. you, you do Stop even that. Yeah. Or, or like, yeah, exactly. you know, b- boys don't cry or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of realize like, Oh man, we are communicating things to our kids. Um, that feel global that really aren't fair to who they are sometimes because that may work for me, but man, right. my little introverted kid may be like, no, yes. you don't do that because right, it right. Just I want to have three friends for a That's birthday right. party. That's I right. don't want to have the whole class. Yeah, or and so whatever. there's something again, like John said at the beginning of us talking to you. There really is so much power, not just in knowing ourselves well, but as, especially with our kids, really knowing like, man, okay these little personalities that I'm trying to maintain. And so it's not fair for me to sort of throw these overarching things on them. They may not serve them well or set them up to be the best versions of themselves. You know, the the, the challenging thing. part, I think for ourselves and for, ch- and as parents too, is like, on the one hand, we want to accept ourselves hmm. and we also want to expect more from ourselves. Yeah. So right, we want right, to accept right. like the truth of our nature and not push beyond the, like what is sort of like the heart, like the boundaries of like, who we are right. and we want to respect that for ourselves and for our children. But we also want to expect more from ourselves and push ourselves and not stay in our comfort zones right. and really decide right. like, well, what is, how can I grow and change right. and challenge myself? But th- those look very different for different people. And like, right. and I think there's no easy answer. I think each of us has to figure this out for ourselves. And so, and I think as parents, we want to know our children so that we can gently help them to expect more of themselves and to give them the scaffolding they need to feel like they can do that and risk failure and discomfort and all that. But we need to do the same thing ourselves. That's exactly you right. Know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. it, it's, it's, but it's hard because there's just, it's just a tension that cannot be ever yeah. finally, yes. you know, established yeah. because it's always right. changing. When too, I would imagine, you know, this so well with how old your girls are, they're very different than they were probably a decade ago. Oh, you know what I mean? 100%. Like little things that you thought, I got, okay, yeah. I got her. I got her. This is yeah. her thing. And then three years later, you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, and, and especially right, but, in their 20s and, you know, navigating all that. But one of the things that's a delight about having older children is they surprise you. Like my older daughter is super resourceful. My husband is really resourceful. I am not mm. resourceful at all. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, Eliza. You're resourceful. <laughs> this is great. And she was like, you know what? I am resourceful. And I was like, yeah. that is a great quality. And it's sort of as a child, it doesn't really emerge that much because you just, you're like, yeah, you, that's right. You don't have a credit card. Like, that's right. You yeah. can't call yeah. somebody and yeah. have a handy man come yeah. over, you know, whatever. Um, so it is really exciting when you see like, like these things, because you're right, like they're changing, they're emerging. You know, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, my father, mm. um, I think about the way my father has changed and evolved over, over my entire lifetime. You know I mean? We're not my mother too, you know? So, but you're right. As parents, we have a special obligation to try to have a bigger, a larger perspective than they have and to kind of try to guide their path. Well, and I can't imagine the patience you have to have, especially I would assume with like where your older daughter is, where she's, you know, she's in her twenties now and is, 
in the space, you know, I remember sitting with our therapist years ago and both my wife and I have pretty big personalities and we were talking about how quiet our firstborn was. And he was like, do you know the two of you? Like, where's the space? You know, and right. it was like, oh, oh yeah, it's true. And I would imagine as she is growing and, you know, getting out from under the two of y'all, you know, she's, there's probably parts of her that have come to light that you're like, well, you never did that here. And it's like, well, yeah, there wasn't, that's cause I was with y'all and now I'm out, right. you know, flying on my own and that this is how I work, and, which has got to be really amazing and fun, but also I'm sure requiring a lot of patience cause you can't yeah. do the old, well, this is the algorithm that works with you. And they're like, well, right. not anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Because I'm, I'm right. Now that I've gotten out from under this, right. I, I've bloomed in different ways and I have different interests. And these are the things that I want to do with my life that you have to go like, hmm, okay. <laughs> like, I remember when my daughter, my older daughter was uh, in preschool. So it was the first time she was like doing, you know, and they do the separation thing yeah. where like they go in for an hour or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the mothers and fathers were like, you know, on the sidelines, very anxious. And our, the, the, the head of the preschool, who was this super wise woman, said, this is the first of many times that you will say goodbye to your child. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, that just like went through my heart and I've never Uh, forgotten it. But it's like, that is a big part of being a parent. It's like, mm, you need to let, you need to let go um, at the same time that you need to hold on. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, there are all these, these sort of paradoxes that Mm -hmm. we have to manage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I was really excited to talk to you, one of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you is because this sort this field that you have taken on of like human behavior, if, if we say it that way, I would think that it would be a really, it feels like a really unifying field of study, I would think. Like we have all these ways that we feel divided from each other you know, geographically, like you are a New Yorker, we live in Nashville, you know, religion, political views, et cetera, et cetera, all these ways that we feel like we're in these little camps, mm-hmm. you know, for better or for worse or whatever. But the, your field of study really feels to me like I bet it would be really refreshing and kind of like you would feel sort of the unification of just people by studying human behavior. You know what I mean? Do yeah. you feel like through your studies, you have become more empathetic in general, just because you kind of always have an eye on that 30,000 foot view? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think just thinking through trying to understand other people's perspective. And it's interesting too, because like, so I have this podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And so my sister and I are always talking about like sort of strategies and ideas and hacks for how to be happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. And we get a ton of emails back from listeners. Like, we'll be like, here's mm-hmm. this idea. What did you do with it? And I'll hear from people where like their context is so wildly different from mine. I mean, like mm. a th- in a thousand ways, I'm like this person and we have almost no overlap except they listen to my podcast. And it's so <laughs> great because you say like, well, this is how this person is taking the same idea and translating it into their context and getting to a place that's very you know, constructive. Yeah. And, and so I think it is, it really has, it has made me understand that um, it, you can get very distracted by certain differences, yeah. but you can mm-hmm. also focus on the things that are, that are more unified. And uh, like one thing, I mean, and I'm sure you guys hear about this all the time. It's like family traditions. In, in my experience, people are very interested in family traditions. People with young children are very like, they want to 
think ahead about like, what are some good family traditions we can do? As parents, you're sort of like in charge of like, well, what are our traditions? Like, what do we do on the 4th of July? And how do we hang on to memories? And do we take a photograph on the first day of school and all these things? Like, this is something that it seems like just about everybody in the world is really thinks about. And I, to me, that was really heartwarming. I'm like, people really want to have loving, warm family traditions. And they're yeah. interested in e kind of easy, manageable ways to do that. They don't want something too complicated. Like we've all got enough uh, with what's on our plate with like what happened to Halloween, right? That thing is ballooned out of control. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you do, you see, you see that like their, their idea of what that would be might be very different. Um, their mm -hmm. taste might be very different. The way it's shaped might be very different. But at yeah. its core, it comes from the same desire to like, you know, build strong family connections and memories over time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. That's great. Okay, so when, when this episode comes out, it's going, people are going to be listening to it at a time that according to the internet, based on the copious amounts of research that I have done on New Year's resolutions, mm -hmm. people... I think it was January 21st, some article I was reading was saying like 90% of New Year's resolutions have failed by January 21st. So a lot of yeah. people will be listening to this around that this time. A lot of people will be listening to this with the shame of, you know, another New Year's resolution failed again. Do you mm -hmm. have any parting sort of advice to those listeners in this time? Absolutely. Okay. So the day you're talking about, I'm very aware of that, which I call in my mind discouragement day, because this is when people are like very mm. discouraged with themselves. Yeah. So I'm like, let's reframe it. Let's call it determination day. So I'm a big fan of using dates as a catalyst for reflection and change. So, okay. Mm. Like call it, you know, pick your date for determination day, evaluate where you are. And if something's just not working, being like, okay, I wanted to exercise consistently. I decided that my New Year's resolution was that I was going to get up and do, run for a mile every morning, first thing. I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay determined, but now I'm going to try it a different way because maybe that's, I didn't set myself up for success. Maybe I should go for a mile walk on my lunch hour, or maybe I should go for a mile run at the end of my day. Or maybe I need to borrow my neighbor's dog because I know my that dog needs a lot. It would be so much more fun for me if I had a dog with me or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, but so to use that date to sort of reevaluate what's working, what's not working and not, not be like, okay, I'm like, I, I'm a failure. Um, and probably for a lot of people, they're like, I'm discouraged because I maybe let myself down again. You know, I've done it in the past, but to really say, let me start again and maybe try it in a different way. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot, you know, we can all get where we're going, but there's so many different paths to it. Mm -hmm. And again, this is back to the four tendencies. Like, Maybe what you need is outer accountability, or maybe you're a rebel and everybody kept telling you, oh, just put it on the calendar and do it. But you don't like to have things on the calendar. And the minute that it's on the calendar, you resist it. So you've actually done something that's very counterproductive. Yeah, or yeah. maybe everybody's telling you to do it, but you're a questioner and you're like, well, I don't understand. Like everybody's saying I should run a mile in the morning, but why should I run instead of walk? And why in the morning instead of in the night? And why a mile instead of three quarters of a mile? It's like, get clear on that and your mm -hmm. actions will follow. So use it as determination day. Mm, look That's at you. great. Uh, okay, so um, first of all, thank you a million times for being on. Yes. We, we oh, this so is so fun. Um, okay, so we always ask two questions before we end. Uh, I'll ask the first one. What is the one thing you want your kids to know? Themselves. Mm. Yeah, self-knowledge. Yep. That's good. Oh, that's great. That's good. 
Okay, last question. What do you want your girls to say at your funeral? Oh, um, oh, I had absolute, I never doubted for a moment that my mother loved me with all her heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. Good. That's good. Thank you a million, million hey, can, times. Wait, can I just oh, ask? Just kidding. Just John perhaps has... the most important question. <laughs> there we go. I have one go. last question. Yeah. With all your knowledge, all the millions of books you have sold, the millions of podcast downloads, which, by the way, you and your sister won an award for your podcast. That's not even on your brag sheet. Mm, I remember reading yeah. that somewhere. Um, the toilet paper roll. When we put it on. Right? Oh. Over is or under? Out? Is it over or under? What's the best way? Hey, there's no one right way. <laughs> That's I, not the answer I, I was looking for, Gretchen. Okay, you know. It's, it's over. It's, you got to feel it. You got to feel it. It's got to be right. over. You just know. You just know. It. <laughs> you just. <laughs> You'll feel what's right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>